Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Want new inventory? They got it. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Maybe the budget says pre owned inventory. Well, it comes with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. They go through these vehicles with a fine-tooth comb. That means everything to your comfort and buying experience. Sales staff that works with you, they want to save you money, and your trading's never been worth more. And, boy, this makes it one-stop shopping because the service department is phenomenal. Inspection's great. Routine maintenance, great. Difficult uh, procedures, great. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Trick plays are fun, and most of the time they work. And sometimes, like in the Birmingham Bowl, they backfire in our play-by-play call of the day. This is a lateral, and now back to Toon. Toon can't make the catch, and it's intercepted. Seth Green... Threw it back to Toon, and off the carom, it's whoop. You know why? Because they called it. Because he wants to throw it. He's just trying to get away there. You've got to throw that ball out of bounds. Ball's being bobbled. It didn't look like he got in there. I think that's going to be incomplete. Never established himself. Right there, The mm, he's got a foot down. This is going to be very interesting to see where they go with this. On the field was an interception by the defense. Previous play is under further review. It looks like he had it there and a foot was down. And they did rule it, by the way, as an interception. And Taylor Zauser with the call on ESPN yesterday. All right. And Auburn made the play. Lost the game 17 13. Houston won it. All right. Let's get to Neil Kulon. The Steelers blown out by the Chiefs Sunday. Neil, the complaint line is open. Odd that you mentioned that. It's, it's, it's as if everyone's complaining. I'm not sure why. It's the holiday season. I don't, I, Everybody loves this, I, right? I, I feel joy. <laughs> um, I, I think the the, uh, the amount of joy that somebody has, there's a direct proportion to uh, the, the lesser amount of Sunday's game that they watched, or at the very least took seriously beyond the first five minutes. Because it, it was pretty obvious to me right from the start that it was going to be bad. Um, and for me, it was like, oh, the, the, the Roethlisberger interception. Um, at that point, if there was one thing in that entire game that absolutely could not happen if they were going to win, it was going to be Roethlisberger turning the ball over. And it seemed like he did in, in one of the first opportunities in the game that he had. And from there, it's like, never mind. <laughs> Forget it. Post game. Let's, let's just dive into it now. It's going to it's going to be bad, and it, it certainly was. Um, you shouldn't be able to honestly debate after a game where that loss ranked in terms of the worst losses the team has taken this year. And I put it up against three other ones, and all four of those games will rank 
pretty highly over the last decade of bad losses for mm-hmm. that team. And to the point now, where it's like, well, you know, <laughs> they are who we thought they were. R.I.P. Denny. Exactly. Uh, the, that was a, an incredibly poor performance. Now, I know Kansas City's won eight in a row, but that has not been a juggernaut eight in a row. They've won eight in a row, but they've just have kept winning. They haven't been dominating anybody, and in this case, they dominated Pittsburgh. Just flat out dominated them. Yeah, I mean, this this was a game in which there was no Travis Kelsey, in which Tyreek Hill got two targets on the game, and there was a, some guy named Pringle running all over the Steelers' defense as if they weren't even there. I mean, it almost was like a, a last week of the season. Steelers need the win to get in the playoffs. The Chiefs don't really care, and the Chiefs just throttled them anyway. <laughs> right. Not that the Chiefs weren't trying. It just didn't seem like it was uh, it, it especially dominant on their end. You know, it really just kind of seemed like the Steelers weren't all that interested. You know, I, I, I don't usually like saying that about uh, athletes in general, but especially yeah. pro athletes. It's right. not a question of interest. They have a job to do. It's not that they don't care. Oh. They can't put out bad film or they're out of work. Exactly. But they put out a lot of bad film in this game. And I, I really can't. You know, I, I'm not one of the coaches, fortunately, right now. I think that'd be a tough gig to have. But um, I, I'm not sure what this was from them, but there was a lot that was lacking. It was really, really bad. The offense is one thing. is The offensive line just isn't good. Uh, what struck me was, without Travis Kelsey playing, how mediocre the defense was. What did you yeah, think about the, 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 the defensive effort? They look pretty much the same as they have, you know, which kind of goes to show it's less the opponent. It's more what they're doing. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what they're doing, but here, here's the big thing that we can't avoid. And I know that it, this is going to be perceived to be some kind of way, but the reality is Stefan to its replacement is not Stefan to it. Tyson Alualu's replacement is not Tyson Alualu. That's a really good point. I'm not sure who replaced Devin Bush this season, but he's not Devin Bush. Right. Uh, they have a, a pretty exorbitant amount of backup or lower, sub-backup, sub-replacement level players uh, that are playing along their defensive front. Yeah. And the fact that those guys, whoever it is that they're putting in, whatever combination of them, particularly up the middle in their defense, um, they they simply have not been close to good enough um, to, to be able to think you're capable of uh, winning a game. We've seen flashes of it. They've done okay at times, but they're giving up rushing yards as if they didn't consider the idea at all that the opponent is allowed to run the ball. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're playing against a, a loaded deck. I mean, they, they get beat consistently um, in every angle and every gap up front with the exception of Cam Hayward. And it, it's gotten to the point now where teams are not having much of a difficulty, much difficulty figuring out where Hayward is and just avoiding him because there is nobody else. Nobody else is making plays. Um, TJ Watt has, I think what is fifth injury of the year now. Yeah. Well. He, he really, if that's the level that he can play at and he's not playing, that really goes to speak to who the backups are because I, I didn't see any value of him being on the field at all. I'm not trying to, to uh, you know, mm-hmm. denigrate him or anything, but he wasn't able to play. He just watched one snap. It was mm-hmm. like, why is he out there? Mm-hmm. Um, because he's getting paid a bunch of money to do it. That's I why. I mean, there's a certain image that he'll have to have, but uh, he wasn't going to be a player at Sunday. That was obvious. 
and nobody else on the defense was was good enough, not even close. You bring up something interesting because the mantra is next man up, which I completely understand. I completely understand that because you've got to go with who's available. Okay. I mean, so I'm there with you. You know, it's next man up. It's got to be the next person that is able to play. They're just going to have to play, and they're going to have to play at the best level they can. But I always go back to um, uh, some other element, and that is this. There's a reason why the other guys are starting. In fact, there's multiple reasons why they're starting, and that's why it's such a problem. I think that the concept of next man up, or in, in Steelers' vernacular, it's the standard is the standard. Um, it, it, it's not a literal thing. It cannot be a literal thing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the economic system of the NFL is is more out of whack than any other industry in, in the world. It makes no sense if these guys are that simply replaceable. Um, the, the, the guy playing at Stephon Tewitt's position, whoever that will be, that's say Henry Mondu, if he was capable of playing at the level of Stephon Tewitt, yeah. he would have a long-term contract. Yes, he, he would. would be somebody who was factored in. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have only gotten on the field because Tewitt wasn't there. That's right. It, it's, it's very simple. He is not anywhere close, relatively speaking, as in comparing two NFL players to each other and not to you and me. Mm-hmm. Relatively speaking, Henry Mondu is nowhere close mm-hmm. to Stephon Tewitt. Stephon Tewitt is a good NFL player. I wouldn't say he's a fantastic one. He's a good NFL player. You don't get a whole lot of those guys everywhere, but there's enough of them to, to say you can tell who's good and who isn't. Right. When the others are, are Jags, just a guy, Yes. Um, you notice the difference between the two of them. But the problem is when you have multiple situations like that, you're dragging your highest end down so much um, you're not going to be able to perform as well. But if you're able to hit your ceiling with that group, you might be able to get away with you know, being able to scheme around your weaknesses and put up something a, an offense isn't expecting, make a couple plays, the ball bounces your way, you can still win a game, i.e. Tennessee, Baltimore, those two games. Um, if you don't, though, your basement is so much lower because those guys just aren't very good. When they're not playing well, you're in real trouble. Yeah. And we've seen that against Cincinnati. We've seen it against Kansas City and so on. So it, it's next man up is meant to be this guy is an NFL-level player. He has his opportunity. Nobody realistic can say they have to expect the same level of output from Mondu as they would from Tuit. That's Nobody right. could possibly say that. But it is still Mondu's job to step in there and do it. That's and exactly right. Knows that. That's what that's so, what that next man up means. You're just you're expected man, to do that. But there's a reason why the there's multiple reasons the other dude was starting. Yeah, there are, they, they, nobody can really hold it against you if you're no. not Stephon Tuitt. That's but right. The defense is used to to Stephon Tuitt being in there. You have to focus uh, like he would. You have to prepare like he would. You have to think like you are him. You have to be able to play Mm -hmm. at your absolute best when you are lacking uh, those God-given gifts. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have that ability, that size, that strength, speed, whatever it is. You have to be able to make up for that in whatever way that you can. And we see a lot of great examples of that. When I think of next man up, when I think of of the standard isn't the standard, I think of Chris Hoke. Mm -hmm. Chris Hoke was not even remotely close to the best athlete on that team. And he wasn't half the player Casey Hampton was. But Chris Hoke was smart. 
Yep. He knew how to play the game. He knew mm-hmm. how to play the position. Yep. And there are plenty of examples that this team, back then anyway, did not lose much without Hampton in there. They were able to survive without him in there. Right. That's really more what it, what it means. And it's meant to be one of the, the typical, you know, kind of sports-related platitudes that may or may not work on players. I've never really thought that it did, but fans sure eat it up. Right. You're, you simply don't have Chris Hope replacements right now. You, you just don't. Most of these right. guys are not going to play in the NFL again. Right. And when you have that many of them, I don't care who your coach is. I don't care what you're, you're working with elsewhere. You're going to have problems winning games. And right now, it just simply is not very hard to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's been like that since, no, since November. They're legitimately one of the worst teams in the NFL, uh, really, since the Lions game. On forward, uh, they, they've been a terrible football team in a lot of ways. And it's just simply they put down so much film of uh, substandard players on their defense in particular that it, it's easy to overcome it. You're not having to struggle real hard to, to figure out a plan of how to move the ball against them. Tennessee is the only one that really failed to do that despite having mm-hmm. moved the ball plenty all game. They just couldn't finish drives and they turned the ball over. That doesn't happen. The Steelers lost that game too, and they're on what, like a five-game losing streak or whatever it is right now. Right, exactly. Um, probably this will be a, a. We'll expand upon this in the off season, but I feel like the Steelers, after really a long run where they've hung in there, made the playoffs, hung in there, made the playoffs have won only three playoff games in 10 years, and I know I've used this analogy with you before, but they become the NFL's version of the Atlanta Hawks. Good enough to get to the playoffs as an eight seed, never good enough to advance, which means they're not drafting in the lottery. They finally failed, drafted in the lottery, and picked Trey Young. Uh, Would it be beneficial for the Steelers, actually, to be one of those teams that for a couple of years is out of the tournament and is in a better drafting spot? I mean, because they've been treading water now for such a long time. The, the tricky thing with the NFL is, unlike the NBA, uh, one player does not make your team. Uh, however good he is, whatever position he plays, um, thank you Jacksonville Jaguars, thank you New York Jets. Right. Plenty of examples of well, good I mean, let me, prospects. Let's, let's go to the NBA. I mean, Look at Minnesota. They the, yeah, they had yeah, back-to-back back years. <laughs> I know, back-to-back back years between Wiggins, because they picked him up in the trade from uh, Love, yep. never, never played for Cleveland, and they drafted Carl Anthony Towns. So they had the two first overall picks and never went anywhere. Yep. I mean, you yep. need that, 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 Edwards that, now, too, and they're still that, not doing right. anything. That's a, that's a league of <laughs> veterans. You've got to have older players to win in the NBA. In the NFL, you can't change it all around in one but the Steelers have been drafting in that 20 to 28 range now forever, it seems like. And yep. you're not going to be able to acquire enough talent over seven rounds to do it right. There comes a point where, and this is the big thing with the Steelers, that, that I see it, and I, I've been saying this since January, they have, the back then anyway, they were drafting 24th overall in each of their rounds. Mm-hmm. So the bottom third of every round, despite having the talent and the, the completeness uh, in their roster of a team that's drafting 12th. Yep. So there comes a point where that's going to catch up to you. And the reason you're drafting in the, the, the back end of a draft every single year is because you've got great players and you have them locked in already. Those players get old, you know, your, your commodity devalues. It, it's, it, after a while, you're going to have to replace it. It's harder to do that overall 
uh, with that late of a selection all the time. It's not impossible, and it's certainly a good problem to have. But I think uh, when you add in uh, the challenges related to uh, the pandemic and uh, the cap reduction, it really was a perfect storm for the Steelers to have a problem. And the, the, the issue that I see it is they had to scrap together a competitive roster for this team on a shoestring budget. They were already mm-hmm. spending fairly close to the cap, like they usually do. Right. Um, the cap got cut. They had to do a lot of things. So, and it, it's not as if it was fully anticipated either. I think in a perfect situation, they would have liked to have walked on, uh, walked away from Roethlisberger this past year. I wouldn't have necessarily supported that move, but it would have been nice for them to have that option. They did not have that option this year. Um, they had to pay him $14 million mm-hmm. to get over uh, the rest of his, his cap chunk from this year so they could deflate it a little bit for next year. Right. That's a pretty orchestrated move to get a quarterback who's been okay, but not fantastic by any stretch. Um, their offensive line, they had a plan for their offensive line that existed uh, almost in myth more than anything else. The only way they were going to have a, a reasonable offensive line is if they stayed healthy all year. And that literally never happened. Zach Banner didn't play. Right. Uh, that forced a, a couple moves. And you're doing that. That, that move uh, precipitated the need to put a fourth-round left tackle starting at that spot from week one. That has not happened in the modern era of the NFL. No tackle drafted in the fourth round or later has started in week one and gone throughout the entire season. Right. Spot starters here and there, nobody was ever the main tackle. That's Steelers' left tackle. It has right. been all season. And the worst part of it is we were screaming about him in the first half of the year. Now it's the center that we're screaming about. Right. The center was taken in the third round. Right. So you've got two rookies who are drafted without premium picks that are filling in. Between him is a left guard who's, who didn't start in week one in his career. He's a second-year guy. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, you've got a, a veteran journeyman now, a right guard, who's been injured and was available in August. So he did not have an offseason knowing the Steelers' offense, anything like that. And all of that, uh, basically, it, it forces the, the veteran of the group, Chuk for back yeah. to right tackle, the position right. he didn't prepare to play the entire offseason. Right, right. They were not able to do their highest and best with their offensive line. Now, that bar was pretty low, but they were not going to field a better offensive line than what they have right now, to be honest with you. They just weren't. Uh, the problem is Zach Banner didn't play, and that set off a chain reaction of things that is really just kind of crushing the offense from the inside out. I don't know what other moves you wanted to make, but they just simply weren't there to, to be made. Very quickly, they've got Cleveland Monday night, uh, and obviously it's critical for both teams. Mayfield looked like a guy who hadn't practiced in seven or eight days uh, against Green Bay. Uh, just your quick thought on that one. I think it, it's it's definitely a get-back game for Mayfield against a, a rival yeah. team. Primetime game on the road, I worry about that right now. Plus, uh, Pittsburgh can't stop water from running uphill. So, to be honest with you, Mayfield's going to have plenty of opportunity to be able to throw the ball. They're going to be able to run a lot of plays. Um, I don't like Pittsburgh in this game just based on what I've seen of them lately. Um, but, you, you know, kind of never know what you're going to get with Mayfield. So, uh, we'll, we'll see. I think it's, a, a, it's going to be a particularly emotional game for the Steelers. I think this is Ben's last home game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the team knows that as well. So right. I wouldn't be surprised to see him pull a little bit of magic out here, but I think it's going to be a competitive game. Happy New Year to you. I look forward to talking to you in 2022. Definitely. As always, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year. 
with the great Neil Kulong. And yes, he'll be joining us in 2022, starting with uh, next Tuesday's show, as a matter of fact. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Key, Routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory, fabulous sales staff that works with you, great service departments, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Steelers will take on the Browns on Monday Night Football. Sunday, by the way, Washington will take on the Eagles. Glenn Macnow will preview that game for us in the next half hour. Thanks for joining us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Final half hour of the show. Today's show is brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, that is the best in new inventory right there. And pre-owned inventory, that may fit the budget. If it does, well, they've gone through it with a fine-tooth comb, and it has the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It means everything. Great sales staff that works with you because they want to save you money. That's how they have so much repeat business. They have people that work with you. Customer service means everything at Sunbury Motors. And your trade-in's never been worth more. And once you buy the vehicle, oh, they take care of it. What a great service department they have. Inspections, phenomenal. Routine maintenance, great. Something difficult, they can handle it. It's all at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. The Penn State-Delaware State basketball game scheduled for tonight. It was supposed to get underway 90 minutes from now. Uh, was canceled yesterday morning because of positives in the Delaware State program. Penn State's been practicing since... Monday, they're fine, uh, but they had to cancel because Delaware State had positives. Okay. And the game is not postponed. It's not going to be made up. It is canceled. Penn State will take on Indiana Sunday at 4. 3.30 will be the airtime, so it'll be 22 days between games. Indiana will play UNC Asheville tonight at Assembly Hall in Bloomington. The Lady Lions were scheduled to play tomorrow night against Iowa at the Jordan Center, but because of Lady Lion positives, that game was postponed, not canceled. It's a conference game. So they're going to postpone that game and find a spot to play it. So that's the difference between the two, a non-conference game versus a conference game. Uh, So they'll try and work to see if they can reschedule that, and I'm sure they will. They'll find a hole somewhere where they can play that game where there's a couple days in between games for each team when it's all said and done. All right, so that's what happens with the schedule. Of course, Saturday, the Outback Bowl, Penn State, Arkansas, 12.05, the kickoff on beginning at 10.30 here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, so we previewed the Steelers and the Browns last half hour with Neil. I will say this. I asked him a question about the Browns at the end. Most of it was about the Steelers. The Eagles have been down the stretch and have been playing terrific. I mean, they really have. They're eight and seven. They're in a right now in a playoff spot. They got Washington left, and then Dallas. So Washington is this week. So let's check in now with Glenn Mack now in Philadelphia. Glenn, first of all, great to have you with us. Happy New Year to you and uh, that great family of yours. 
Thank you, Steve. All my best to you and all your listeners. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Well, this is quite a run that the Eagles have started to put together here, Glenn. When you watch them, what are a couple of elements that maybe weren't there six weeks ago, but now have fallen in line with the elements that were there? Um, okay, I don't want to start with uh, with a downer, but part of it is they're playing much easier competition. No doubt. I think when you... When, when you play the New York Giants with Jake Fromm and you play Washington with their fourth-string quarterback and so on, it, it, it helps. Now, again, I don't want to take anything away, but you always do have to look at who they're playing. They haven't they have not played an elite quarterback in a long time. Uh, maybe Tom Brady was the last one. But um, in addition to that, clearly one of the things that has worked for them is Coach Nick Sirianni showed a lot of flexibility and realize that his strength is his offensive line, and specifically his strength is his offensive line when they run the ball. And the Eagles went from a team that handed off to its running backs literally four times in an early season game against Dallas to a team that up until last week had rushed for 175 yards or more six games in a row. And so that is the biggest difference is they they run the ball, they dominate the line, uh, they keep the ball away from the other team, and it is it has worked for them with a series of running backs in a dramatic way. You know, it's interesting you bring up the I brought up the schedule many times. I mean, and I I know that the two games that you referenced were division games. But let's face it, you know, you've got a last place schedule, so they've played the Jets, they took advantage. They played the Lions, they took advantage. And that's part of how the NFL works. Uh, but you have to take advantage of it yourself. And I think you made some really interesting points about that. You know, you're taking advantage of what's put in front of you, and that's what they're doing. Right. That's the way. Again, the last play schedule isn't as much as it used to be. It is two, literally a difference of two games. You mentioned the two. It's the Lions and the Jets, and they won those two games by a combined score of 77 to 24. So, yeah, I'm not going to pretend that that's not there. Um, but you also, you know, you you got to win your other games. The one they won most impressively to me. And it goes back to November, but they beat Denver out in Denver. Yeah. Denver's not a great team, right. but they're an okay team. That, that was a nice win. That was a quality win. They are not going to play another quality team. They beat New Orleans. You know, New Orleans is currently falling apart, but I thought it, when they played them, they were a decent team. Um, but, yeah, their season is going to end with the Giants, the Jets, Washington, the Giants, Washington. And then the last week they play Dallas. We'll see how much that game means. Hey, you play who's there. That's all you can. Yep. You can't beat teams you don't play. That's right. Exactly. So let's get to the Miles Sanders situation. When he plays, he makes a big difference for them. So what is his status right now over the last couple of weeks of this season coming up, Glenn? Well, he's definitely going to be out this week. Um, broke his hand, as I'm sure you know, your listeners know. That's a tough injury for a running back, right? you got to hold yeah. the ball. It's, it's, there are certain positions where you could play with a busted hand, running back, really not one of them. They didn't put him on IR. They're hoping to have him back. I imagine that if they are a good, if, if they make the playoffs or look like they're in, they will hold him out against Dallas the last week. And they are hoping um, that it's not that serious a fracture and that they will be able to get him back. Boy, Steve, here's something I didn't think I'd say last time we talked. 
They're hoping they get him back for the playoffs. <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good point. I think, we were, I think they were five and seven or mm. four and three and six, maybe, when we spoke last time. Yeah. So, yeah, things have improved. Jalen Hurts, is he a better product now than that five or six weeks ago that we talked? Yes, with an asterisk. Um, he has moments where you say, "Hey, this is a guy they'll you know they can they can use going forward. This is your quarterback for the next five years, seven years." And then there are moments when you look at him and say, "He's going to be okay, but he's never going to be a top ten quarterback in the league." Right. I think where they are now. Um, I mean, it's where I am now, and I think where they are now is he's going to be their quarterback next year. Um, you know, there's there's talk, oh, Aaron Rodgers. No, they're not going to get Aaron Rodgers. There's talk Russell Wilson. I think that's a real, real long shot. Um, the upside to me on Jalen Hurts is he's an explosive player. You know, the new breed of quarterback runs the ball, and he does that very well. His arm is not weak. His accuracy just needs to improve, and you can you can learn that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the other thing that's really an upside is he's still on his rookie contract. It's a second round pick. It's really affordable. You can go out and get other guys. You know, if you if you get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, you're paying a ton. And you also have those three first round draft picks, which I think if you want to get. You know, Lockett or one of the other quarterbacks, you're going to have to trade up. And I'd rather they keep the three first-round draft picks, help the defense, and give the kid another year to see. Yeah. Yet there's the Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, I think I said to you the last time, Clint, it's one thing for us to watch a guy on TV and say, wow, he's a, quite a talent, but then you get to see him in person. When you see him in person, does he check every box for you? Oh, he made a catch in the end zone uh, the other day. Uh, keeping his feet in bounds, um, or in the sidelines, keeping his feet in bounds. That first they ruled that he was, first they ruled he was inbounds, then they ruled no, no, he was out of it. There's no way he could have caught that. And then it was, it, I never saw a, a replay replayed and overturn, overturned, but they sent it up to Booth. And he dragged his feet perfectly. He's elusive. He runs good routes. He's got great hands. I mean, the size is what the size is, but it hasn't really been a factor yet. I love this kid. Uh, I particularly love when he lines up right next to Lane Johnson, who is literally twice his size. That's, that's, I don't know if you saw the photos that went out this week of that, but that's one yeah. of the funniest things I've ever seen. Well, you know what's interesting? And I made this point when they played Ohio State in the national championship game. Alabama would line him up in the slot. But Ohio State kept giving him free release off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and that was always yep. my concern. Yeah, and that's always was my concern that when he get to the NFL, they're not big on free release. Yet he is still an effective player, Glenn. Why is that? Why is he elusive to get a, to get a hand on at the line of scrimmage? It's that first step. It yeah. really is. It's the first step. You think you're going to hit him, and that first step, he's already, you know, halfway by you. So you really don't get that good shot on him. He is. He's quick. He's smart. Um, he he just knows where to go to be elusive, and by the time you think you hit him, he's already two steps past you. Wow. Have uh, we seen a revival of Fletcher Cox? Mm, maybe. I would say in what has been a very mediocre season for him, he's had two very good games right mm-hmm. now. So, yeah. 
you know, you have two more in the regular season. I would like to believe that. Um, they're going to have a big decision to make with him next year. Big salary, you know, big contract, um, getting older. So I, I'll just say this. He's been excellent in the last two games, Steve, but revival is too, too much of a, too high for me. And I agree that it's a big decision, but I think it's a decision he's already made for them. I mean, I think there's, you know, you'd hate to say this, but I just feel like they may have to cut bait here. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, only because there's there's only so much shelf life. Yeah, they may. And, you know, he said some stuff earlier in the year, which was critical of the defensive coordinator. And now he's come around, and they've come around. Let me say this. Jonathan Gannon, who's the defensive coordinator, has changed things to make it easier for Fletcher Cox. Um, one of the other differences is Fletcher's not getting double teamed as much as he was because Hargrave's mm-hmm. taking some of those, that which helps right. the revival. Right, yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. What have you thought of Darius Slife? Yeah, my pal. Yeah, your buddy. <laughs> yeah, and there, and there, I criticized him earlier this year. Uh, at the time, I didn't think he was playing great. When he made the Pro Bowl, it was interesting that that night he reached out to come back at me on Twitter. I'm oh, yeah. certainly glad I could motivate him like that. Um, <laughs> he's had a, listen, I, I'll, I'll say this. Since the time I wrote that, which I believe was early October, he has had a terrific season. He has lived up to the name Big Play, which we didn't see the first 20 games he played here, and has um, he's the best uh, defensive back they've had since Asante Samuel. And that's been a while. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to know that they are paying attention to you, and that you can take them to greater, to greater I mean, really, that's what you need to be better. And, and they got to hey, call a guy out. I'm, um, it would be it would be ridiculous for me to claim credit because I'm not going to do that. Right. But it was interesting to me that 45 minutes after the Pro Bowl stuff comes out. I see my Twitter feed explodes, and it's people reacting to him reaching out and, and, and saying, I forget exactly what it was, but, you know, kind of, what do you have to say now, Big Mouth? And so what I had to say is, <laughs> hey, he ended up having a terrific season. I'm glad he made the Pro Bowl. Yes. Anything that works for the Eagles works for me. Right. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, Washington is in a, in a quick turnaround. And I thought Washington, yeah. I, I was really impressed with them Sunday night. I don't know about you, Glenn. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, but First I, quarter, that game was done. Oh, my goodness. I will say this, though, very quickly. Heineke and Baker Mayfield did look like two quarterbacks that had not practiced at all uh, when I watched them this weekend. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's why I just want to put everybody on the just beware list. At least he, he's out there putting a week's worth of practice in. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Washington because when the Eagles played him, whatever it was now, 10, 11 days ago, Washington had, you know, 25 guys on the COVID list, including Heineke. Right. However, if you look at what's happened since then, yes, they've gotten guys back, including Heineke, but they also, uh, they had, you know, Two of their defensive linemen throwing fists at each other on the sideline the other night. That's never good. I thought that was they had one of the defensive backs involved in a very tragic car accident. Right, uh, and I'm I don't mean to minimize it by putting football into the equation, but that's not good. Um, they're just they have a really bad culture there, and I like and respect Ron Rivera, um, but I 
it's it's possible they come out and play well Sunday, but it's equally possible that Washington has just given up on the season and that they're already on the golf course when they play the Eagles this Sunday. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think that's a really good point. It's not like they don't have talent, but like Chase Young's out for the year. Uh, yeah. But what we saw the other night on the sideline, hey, and, I, and here's the part that makes you at least chuckle a little bit, is those guys were teammates at Alabama. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They've been around each other forever. Yeah. Yeah, and listen, good teams bounce back from adversity. Bad teams just kind of curl up and die. Yep. I'm more inclined to think Washington's a bad team. Well, and this is, in watching the Eagles play the Giants the other day, I've always had a saying, and you know this, Glenn, I've said it many times, bad teams make bad plays. Yeah. And the Giants, I mean, the Eagles opened the door how many different times in the first quarter and a half? I know. And the Giants took the it, Eagles, it, it didn't get one of them. Three to three at the half. The Eagles could have been down three touchdowns in that game. And, right. And the Giants let them stay in it until the Eagles figured it out. Right. Are the Eagles, now, as you mentioned, the schedule plays a part of it, but are they the team that's been making, quote, the good plays? Um, yeah, I think so. I do. I, I think they've gotten much better. I think I think a lot of it is the coaches have, have figured out. You know, we always give rookie players latitude to learn on the job. Well, yes. maybe we don't, but we're, you know, we say we do. <laughs> um, but we expect coaches to come in as first-year coaches and have it all figured out. And they don't. Um, I think Nick Sirianni, we talked about earlier, has been a really quick study and improved. And I think Jonathan Gannon, who's coaching the defense, has also improved. And all of that makes the Eagles a better team. You can have the same players, but if you have better coaching, it helps. And I think they've, I think they got much better coaching. Yeah, I want. You, but my last question is going to be about Nick Sirianni. You talked about you know rookies learning on the job. Well, here's the head coach, you know, who's now moved over one spot, and now he's got the head coaching job. As time has gone, what have you seen from him? Um, I've seen that he's figured out what his team does well. Uh, I've seen that he has. He commands the respect of players, including the veterans. You know, he had to sell it to Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and the guys who've been here since Chip Kelly. and uh, Kelsey's been here since Andy Reid, right? Yeah. And they've been through a lot, and they're veterans, and they're, last year they went four games. And it could be that this year Jason Kelsey decides, you know what, this is, this is kind of it. I've had a career. I'm going to just kind of finish this year and retire. Um, but he's got those guys as his biggest cheerleaders, and that he has sold the locker, the veterans in the locker room, on his program and his culture. To me, that's his biggest accomplishment, and he's done that really well. Glenn, fabulous! I really enjoyed this a lot. Just always great talking with you. Thanks for the insight, and happy New Year to you and yours. Steve, it's always my pleasure. Uh, all my best to your listeners. I hope to talk to you again soon. The outstanding Glenn Mack now. So we've been able to preview the Steelers, the Eagles. Went through a little bit of Penn State football. Talked about Russ Rose's retirement on today's show. All right, so onward and upward. Uh, it's interesting uh, when you look at, you know, we talked about, obviously, Penn State's had three basketball games now canceled, including Delaware State tonight. So I'm going to fly down tonight after the show. 
And I'll be at practice tomorrow, and I'll be at practice on Friday, and then the game is Saturday. Um, so I'll take advantage of my time down there. I had actually had a commercial flight set for tomorrow morning that would get me out of here at 8, but when the game got canceled yesterday morning, they had saved a seat for me on the charter to go down. And you know what? With everything with the airlines right now being such a roller coaster, I took the advantage of going on the charter tonight because you just felt like that was the guaranteed flight. And then I'll come back right after the game on Saturday because of the Indiana game on Sunday here at 4 o'clock. So that's how the schedule works. And uh, looking forward to it very, very much. Uh, it's interesting about the bowl games. 18, let's see, as of yesterday, 18 of the 23 have been played. 16 of the 18 have had a million viewers or more. And people may say, yeah, it's not worth it. They're worthless exhibitions, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? People are watching. They just want to relax and watch a game. Have some fun. That's what they're doing. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK.